From Radio Milwaukee and the Wisconsin LGBTQ History Project, this is Be Seen. I'm Nate Immig, and on this episode... We're all really excited to finally be out here playing. It's gay softball season, the 46th season actually, for Saturday Softball Beer League, a Milwaukee tradition dating back to 1977 for queer folks and their allies. We drop by at Wilson Park for the first week of practice. I've been playing softball with SSBL since I moved back up here from South Carolina, and it's just honestly such a great place uh, for LGBT people and their allies to get together and have a good time and drink some beers. Jesse is the captain for the This Is It team, today facing fierce opponents such as the Woody's Misfits, the Fluid Twist, the Lacage Cage Fighters, and of course, the Harbor Room Sausages. So you're with the This Is It crew? Yep, This Is It tricks, okay. tits tricks, if you will. I, the team names are pretty good here. They are say. pretty good. We we do love a good pun, and um, tits is like weirdly short for this is it. Yeah. We, it doesn't quite work, but that's what we call it. Yeah. So I'm from the community. I've been there many great, times. Great, great, great. Yeah, I yeah. Fully okay. understand. <laughs> the league started as a safe place for queer people to play softball way back in the day uh, when we didn't have one with the. Um, non-queer bar leagues. Uh, so it was born out of that necessity, but really it's become a great place for, like I said, all queer people and allies to just get together and have a good time. It feels sacred. It is insane. Um, it feels like you're a part of something bigger when you play in this league, and you are. I mean, this is like a living, breathing representation of our one part of our community, so it does feel really special to be a part of it. Jesse's been playing for about eight or nine years, somewhere in there, but his teammate Nick has been playing a bit longer. Oh, God, almost 25 years, probably, uh, on and off, mostly on. Okay. Yeah. So you're just about to go on here? Just about to go on. We've got games at 11 and 12 today. First time we're playing after the last two weeks were rained out. And it's really just fun, an excuse to get out, uh, hang out, see friends, uh, do something semi-athletic, and uh, maybe have a couple of beers and share stories. So. Well, you've been here for 25 years. Why, yep. why is it important that this keeps going for another 25? With everything going online and digital and people doing a lot more of their connections remotely, uh, I feel like it's you know more important than ever to hold on to the things that actually do get people out in person and sort of bonding with each other. You know, there's you can't replace that. You know, things get lost in translation on a on a text exchange or and uh, you can't you can't slap hands and hug like this uh, <laughs> on a text. Well, Michael, it was really cool to be with you in person at SSBL. And for such a long-running tradition in Milwaukee, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say I, I was not even aware of how long-running this is. And that was definitely my first time going as well. So uh, seeing all the different businesses represented and you know a packed public park um, just full of softball on a Saturday morning, it was really cool to see. And it goes back as far as 1977. Isn't that wild? When so many traditions have come and gone in Milwaukee, and even LGBTQ traditions have been lost in recent years. SSBL is still going strong. And I mean, they're approaching their 50th anniversary at full stre- full speed ahead. So how did this start? It was like pickup games in a park? <laughs> That's the funny part. So it started as casual as casual gets with four teams playing Saturday morning games at La Follette Park on 94th and Washington in the summer of 1977. And a year later, a formal league had started with seven teams, including the popular bars of the time, including Beer Garden, M&M Club, The Finale, Rec Room, Rainbow Grill, Your Place, and believe it or not, Ball Game. And their appeal was so simple and so folksy, and it just seems so cute nowadays, just the way that they approach this. They put an ad in one of the publications of the time saying, 
We have started something. All we need is the support and cooperation for you out there. So come on down to the ballpark. Come over and play or just be a spectator, and you will be surprised at how well we can play. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting, right? Because, you know, as as gay men, people are often told that, you know, they're not good at sports or shouldn't play sports, or maybe they're even averse to trying sports because they're uncomfortable of, you know, being mocked or not doing well or not having the talent. And SSBL is a place where people can really just dive in and not worry about that stigma and not worry about that barrier of being judged and just have fun and just find their community and, and have fun with their community, no matter what their talent. I think that's remarkable. And I think that really is one of the reasons it's lasted as long as it has. So 1977, it, it begins kind of informally. And then by 1979, there's this other organization, this kind of larger body that that forms and, and still exists today, NAGA. Yeah, so Milwaukee had sent teams to compete in the Canada Cup in July of 1978 and New York in September 1978 at the second Gay World Series. But in 1979, a new organization was founded, the North American Gay Amateur Athletic Alliance, and Milwaukee was one of five founding members, uh, which was really quite a big deal um, because they secured the host city for the 1979 Gay World Series. You don't think of Milwaukee and the level of San Francisco, New York, LA, or Toronto, but those were the other charter members. Milwaukee hosted the World Series again in 1985 and then again in 2009. Kurt Baldwin is the commissioner for SSBL, and on any given Saturday, you'll find him right behind the plate making the calls. What does it take to be an umpire? I always kind of wondered. Um, okay. I don't know if I should tell you the real story. <laughs> I want the so, real story. So yeah. the real story is I'm lazy and I don't want to run out to the outfield <laughs> after every inning back and forth. Yes, so I'm like, yes. well, how can I find something that now um, <laughs> find something that I don't have to run as hard, which I've learned is not the case. Been the commissioner since 2019. And previously I was the assistant commissioner under Brian Reinkober back in 2000 to, I think, 2003 or 2004. Okay. So you've been with it. For that long, 2003, yep. so 20 years? I started in 99. Wow, okay. So was, it was my first year. A little more than 20 years. Yep. What has kept you coming back all these years? Uh, it's fun. It's it's something to do during the summer. Um, a lot of it's the people, meeting the people that I'm still friends with, you know, from my very first game. You know, there's a lot of them that still play in the league. It's it's family. You know, we all hang out together. We, we know each other. We see their kids growing up. We, you know, we see them at the fields when they were little bit kids and now they're joining the league, which is pretty exciting. Um, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's just nice to hang out with, with people that have the same interests as you. Kurt's path to becoming commissioner began on the field, but he says he just kind of fell into the league. In 99, I just saw a poster in a bar and said that they were looking for players for a softball team. Um, my first team was switch and I played baseball growing up when I was a kid, but never played adult sports. Um, I wasn't that good when I was younger and didn't make it, you know, past high school. So I thought it was a great opportunity. Um, I actually ran, met Brian Reinkober then and was on his team and, and just fell in love with the game again. And and, and the, the social events after the games, going out and just hanging out with everyone. Every every week, everyone went out to a different sponsor. It was a good way to spend your entire Saturday, 
yeah, with people that you like to hang out with. Most of the teams are sponsored by gay bars, but there are allied businesses too, and teams for every skill level. We have two divisions. We have a competitive division and a recreational division. We have thirty about 30 new people this year. Probably half of them have never played softball before in their life. And the first week we had her some practices and, oh my God, I suck. <laughs> I'm not good at this. <laughs> right. um, but what's really nice to hear though is all of the other teammates, you know, that were going to be on their team said, no, you got this. That was me last year and I'm back. I want to talk a little bit about kind of the, uh, you know, maybe some of the preconceptions about gays playing sports. Um, do you ever run up against those stereotypes? Uh, we, we do. Yeah. Um, you know, you throw like a girl. That's something that, you know, you hear that all the time growing up. And, and, and there's some some women in our league that can throw way better than most of the men. Um, we, you know, we, we've had inc- incidents at the fields where, you know, someone drives by and, and you know, yells something out the window directed at us because they see a team with a rainbow on their shirt or something like that. Um, but I think, you know, with a lot of the professional sports, you know, now having a focus on pride night and, and I wish they would actually do more inclusion with the leagues in our cities, you know, include them into that pride conversation to show everyone, Hey, they're just like everyone else. You know, we can hit the ball over the fence. We can, um, you know, we can steal bases. We can, you know, we can play sports. And, you know, and it's, I think it's shown that we have a gay softball World Series. Uh, last year, it had 230 teams going down to Dallas to play in a tournament, um, which is amazing. And seeing, you know, these gay men just whacking the ball and hitting it, you know, and, and just being beasts out there on the field was amazing to see. You mentioned there's a few different skill levels. Um, what about for those that uh, maybe aren't so sporty or masculine or mask for mask? Like, can you, can you go out there and, uh, you know, if you're if you're not that person, be yourself? Yeah, def- definitely. We have um, some teams will have a strikeout skirt that you get to wear <laughs> or a strikeout tutu that you get to wear okay. you know, to kind of make it fun. Yeah. But, you know, no one wants to wear it, but you, you try to get better. Um, but, you know, it's we build each other up. Got it. Got it. So it's not only for sports gays, or correct. <laughs> you might, or maybe you start as a <laughs> as a non sports gay and you become one. I yeah. Don't know. When we go to other cities, you know, they know Milwaukee. They know Milwaukee softball. They know our history. They know that we are one of the founding members of Naga. Um, they know that, and that's a good that's a good feeling that we're doing something right. I know the season's underway, but uh, uh, there's always time to join. You can join up until the last week of the season. Um, if you're a new player and you're interested, I say just come out to the fields. Um, talk to some of the players that are out there. Um, if you're in one of the, the bars that sponsor a team, you know, a lot of the teams will go back to their, their bars afterwards on Saturday afternoons and hang out. You know, if you see someone in a softball jersey, just ask them what they like about it. For those that have financial issues, you know, paying the registration fee or buying cleats or gloves, you know, we, we can help with that. We have financial assistance plans that we can help or we can get loaner equipment for you to try out to see if you like softball instead of, you know, without having to make that investment. But I would say just come out to the fields. While Kurt has been involved with SSBL since 1999, the league, as we mentioned, goes back even earlier to 1977. After the break, we talked to one of the founding members, Tommy Southsider. But first, what about this Gay World Series? We have, to this day, just, we are so proud that we hold our own against any big major city um, when it comes to gay softball. Milwaukee has hosted it three times, and after the break, we'll hear more about putting on the World Series from past Commissioner Brian Reinkober, next on Be Seen.
I'm 88.9 Story Zori. And I'm Milwaukee Films' Christopher Pollard. And we are the hosts of Cinebuds. Yeah, we are. And on Cinebuds, we talk about movies. Flicks. Moving pictures, they are referred to as also. Talkies. Talkies is good, (laughs) yeah. And you can listen to us every week. On Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Or you can listen to the entire podcast at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcast. Cinebuds is brought to you by Associated Bank and Eyes on the Lake, Eye Care and Eyewear. Brian Reinkober, I um, was commissioner of the Gay Softball League in Milwaukee from 2002 to 2014. Um, I've been a player since 1996, and actually I still play out here in Palm Springs, in the Palm Springs Gay Softball League now. Milwaukee has a rich history with uh, gay softball. Um, We are actually one of the oldest leagues in in North America. I got kind of sucked into it just listening to the stories um, one of the biggest, one of my most favorite stories is, is that the bar leagues would, the bars would play each other and the loser of the game would go to the winner's bar and have to buy the first keg. So the first keg, the, huh? Not the first round, the, the first, first keg. keg. <laughs> the first keg. Brian says the roots of SSBL are undeniably in the gay bars. This was established as a beer league after all. But while the emphasis of the whole drinking culture has declined as time has gone on, those founding gay bars are still an important part of SSBL's identity. Because it wasn't it wasn't a safe place um, to be out. Um, I don't care where you were, um, whether you were in rural rural Wisconsin, the city of Milwaukee, or much larger cities. You know, being gay was, being out and being gay was a completely different experience. And, um, you know, we owe, SSBL owes just a ton of gratitude to all of those people that um, created created this safe environment um, for gay people to play and their gay allies. When I started in 1996 as a player, um, it uh, was still very much a bar league. So as you can imagine through the history of um, Milwaukee gay bars, you know, there were, there were a plethora of gay bars in the nineties and the eighties. And so every, every bar had at least one team, sometimes two teams. Um, But they, um, they were always rooted in, a in a bar and uh what would be most fun is after the games um there would be fundraisers for that particular team or a particular team um with um within the league and people from all the other teams would descend upon the bars it was a major social interaction i mean people would go out on saturday um, that didn't play just to um, attend these fundraisers um, because it was just, it was the thing to do. It was the place to meet people or meet new friends and or get involved in some capacity. 
as we got into the 2000s and 2010s and with the with the phones and the apps and things like that um that that uh saturday afternoon especially after the games has has kind of taken on a different a different thing um it it no longer which in my opinion is is unfortunate but it is what it is um you don't have necessarily that camaraderie with those fundraisers and things like that anymore and you mentioned the apps i'm imagining you know back before that time before those apps emerged getting a little flirty with the opposing team on first base as as they're about to oh, absolutely. you know like i could see that being so much more <clears throat> real and um you know you have something in common with somebody right away and you're out there hustling absolutely. on the field and yeah, i could see was your common ground yes yeah. Do you have any stories like that? Did you ever meet anybody on the on the field? Oh yeah, you know <laughs> it was there. There were there were plenty, <laughs> but um, I met um, I met, and I to this day I have dear 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 friends that um, all came from the gay softball league of Milwaukee as well as gay softball leagues around the United States and Canada. The Gay Softball World Series has been in Milwaukee three times. The first one was in 1979. Um, The second one was in 1985. And both in 75 or 79 and 85, the games were played at the Mitchell Park Domes. Not many people know this, but there used to be not one but two softball diamonds behind the domes um one they unfortunately converted into a soccer field but um that was where the world series was held in both of those years um in 1985 um you know milwaukee had a lot of firsts we were the first gay softball world series to actually have a women's division um competing in this in 1985 and we actually during the opening ceremonies um there was always a uh parade of cities if you will kind of like um the parade of nations in the olympics but every city would be represented with their teams and they would have banners that would unfurl and in 1985 um Tom Southsider and Ron Burby, um, they, during the opening ceremonies were, they had a, um, they brought out a Steinway piano onto the field to play the national anthem. And we had a parachutist on the field. Yes. No lie. Wow. Milwaukee, Milwaukee was known for doing crazy stuff like that. It was, it was all about showcasing what a wonderful city we were and what a wonderful community we were a part of. And I think the, I think the biggest thing is the longevity of it. And that's what I'm most proud of that. We are such a, such a small city and we have huge ideas. There's nothing that our little city can't do in the gay community if we put our mind to it. And I think that's what I'm most proud of. His, did Milwaukee ever win the the World Series? Oh, 
That is funny. You should ask that. We have always been a bridesmaid, never a bride. <laughs> we, the closest we have come is second place many times. Um, the most recent one and the only one that I ever played with that uh, was in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, we came in second place in 2007. Um, the trophy is uh, present uh, still at Woody's Bar um, in the trophy case. Um, we were the Milwaukee Cosmos, and uh, it was just a great group of guys. We just ran out of gas. <laughs> well, let's go back to those founding members. How long were they involved, yeah. and, and are they still involved? The most iconic person that we have that's still in Milwaukee who comes and watches the games occasionally is Tommy Salsider. He was uh, part of the original gang, and um, he, up until a few years ago, was very, very, very active, uh, not only with SSBL, but also with NAGA, the uh, governing body. Um, now he just kind of comes and, and watches the games, and just we owe a ton of gratitude to him um, and their vision of what they've what they originally put out and set forth. We caught up with Tommy Southsider, and that's not really a nickname. It's very close to his actual German last name, Southseder. He came by the studio with longtime SSBL board member and ally Mona Garcia. My name is Tom Southsider. Um, I don't know what else you want to know, but that... <laughs> that's good. A title for Tommy would be Father Softball. Father Softball, yes. okay. Mona Garcia, and I'm an ally, and very, uh, I was the treasurer for SSBL. So you just fell in with the boys, huh? I fell in with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I did. Uh, one of the founders, you know, a couple guys got together and kind of, okay, it'd be kind of fun to, you know, play ball, you know, so. so. We put out ads in the bios and stuff like that, and got, I think got to about 18, I think, and grew a little bit from there. Yeah. And it just became, you know, we just got involved all the time on a national level, all the time. Well, they were softball world series, so we jumped in on that, and you know, got to get going, going bigger and bigger. You know. And they're very welcoming. So um, they their rules are, I'll, I'll do allow for... Uh, straight people to play on teams. And I think that has seen them through a lot of uh, what otherwise could have been difficulty. Yeah. You, you could have two straight players on your team. 80-20 rule. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, you get still make it SSBL, but a little help from the right. allies doesn't right. hurt. I'm, I'm thinking about, um, you know, just having that, having the team as an outlet to meet other people, Socially, maybe romantically, um, it seemed like so much more of an authentic experience to get to know somebody or to find something in common with somebody versus your phone or the the apps or whatever. And I'd imagine, you know, you're out there playing second base and you uh, you see somebody that you want to talk to and you have a few chances to they go around the bases a few times during I the think game. That happened. I did play second base too. <laughs> oh, really? It's true to life, huh? <laughs> And here's an example. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so what was uh, just, you know, its place in the gay community? Was it, you know, it was social, of course, and athletic, but it filled another need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People kept it up. You know, I think we, they, 
Yeah, I think they enjoyed it. Yeah, we we have a number of people would come out and watch our game and head to the bar afterward and have a couple of drinks there and you know get meat and you know what happened after that. <laughs> <laughs> what are you most proud of? You know what what moments or eras or? Well, I think the fact that it's still going and I think the fact that people meet met, met each other you know got together and played ball and who knows what happened after that and whatever you know. What about you? What are you most proud of in in your time with SSPL? Actually, the the people that I've met and knowing that these people are involved, not only in SSBL, but in community for the right reasons. That kind of thing just really reaffirms in me why this is such an important group of people and people that I'm very proud to be associated with. You can catch the SSBL Saturday morning action at Wilson Park for the remainder of the season. And if you're headed to American Family Field this year, keep an eye out for the concession booths. The SSBL crew takes over those concession stands for many home games, and you can support the league just by buying a brat or beer. Well, Michael, we're actually almost at the halfway point of B-Scene Season 2, and a little bit later in the season, we're going to talk about another really long-running Milwaukee tradition, the old-timers party. That was sadly, that tradition ended by the pandemic, but it's an important story to know from the women's community And uh, we're going to learn more about that later. But our next episode introduces listeners to Donna Burkett. Donna Burkett was really quite a firebrand. She was way ahead of her time. As a gender nonconforming woman of color, she was very proud of who she was and very proud of who she loved and wanted to make it official. So she pursued in September 1971 a marriage license to marry her partner, Manonia Evans, only to be told no, that she didn't qualify. She didn't deserve to be married because she and her partner were both female. And Donna has lived a life with the motto that love is between two people, you and the person that you love, and no one else has any right to say anything else about it. So she took her fight long and hard to really demonstrate that love is love and that love will always win. Unfortunately, a variety of pressures, including family rejection, workplace discrimination, academic discrimination, and even local media pressure really sent the couple through the ringer. And their story did not have a happy ending. But because of their experience and because of the path that they carved for us, all of us today have the right to marry whoever we do love. And we have Donna and Manonia to thank for fighting this fight over 50 years ago. Beautifully said. All right. Well, that's coming up on Be Seen Season 2. If you're not already a subscriber, make sure you get subscribed and check out Be Seen Season 1, which you can stream all seven episodes of right now. And we've got two episodes so far on Be Seen Season 2. So lots of listening to dig into. And we'll catch you next week on Be Seen. This is Kiri Salinas, audio production manager at Radio Milwaukee, giving a special thanks to Nate Emig, executive producer and co-host of Be Seen, along with Michael Takash, the curator at Wisconsin LGBTQ History Project, Brett Krasgowski, our web editor, segment producer Salam Fatayer. Thank you to the marketing team led by Sarah Lahr, Dan Reiner, our digital marketing manager, Aaron Bagata, the creative marketing manager, Thank you to Radio Milwaukee's community engagement team, DJ Brewer and Mallory Wallace. 
Our program directors, Dori Zori with 88.9 and Tariq Moody with Hyphen. And last but not least, thank you to Maxie Jackson, the executive director at Radio Milwaukee.